You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. It's Lockdown Hornets. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every single day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nod of the Scribe. So Lockdown is partnered with Michelob Ultra, as you guys know by now, mm-hmm. to create a custom segment across the NBA titled The Ultra Player of the Week. Each week, host will identify one player from their team that made the big play, got you on your feet, cheering for your team, ultimately sparking one of the three key emotions, joy, happiness, or enjoyment. And Nada, it was a rough week to choose who should be the ultra player of the week because not everybody was all that consistent. You could have gone maybe a Gordon Hayward in this last outing with 27 points, but remember, this is someone that hadn't had his field goal attempts all that much up, scoring seven points here and there, kind of taking a back seat uh, behind a couple of other teammates with the Hornets in the three-game losing streak that they had. You didn't have great performances from uh, guys, I think, enough to say, okay, this is definitively the player who should get this award. And we've had, I think, four games. It goes all the way back to Denver, who they played yes. on March 17th. <laughs> so just a week ago. And that it's been a bad week where it was tough competition, playing the Lakers with LeBron, playing Denver with Nikola Jokic, and the Clippers are a really good team as well. I mean, not I looked at it. I looked at all four of these games, yep. tried to find something of a consistent performance. Yes. I got to give it to Terry again. I'm sorry. Like, it, I know it's the third time. I know it is. I know he's going to have gotten it at least 60 or 50% of the time that we've been doing this. But even on his off shooting nights, he at least performs in the clutch. Mm-hmm. I know he still gives up points defensively, but even if I try to give it to PJ, He's not had good shooting nights the last couple of outings. LaMelo Ball, he goes down, and he had, I think it was one rough game, even if it was a good one against the Lakers. He, it, wasn't, it wasn't as good as other weeks yes. that LaMelo has had. We know about Gordon. Like, I, I got to give it to Terry. <laughs> he gets it again. Look, see, like, here's the problem with where you're going with this. Because we're going to have to call this the Terry Rozier Michelob Player of the Week Award. (laughs) That's where we're heading with this. And I don't want to go there. I don't want to just be like, okay, here, take this award, Terry, damn. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I really don't. But we're we're well. Then you tell me. I I don't want to give it to Terry Rozier, and that's how you can get this kind of reaction from me because I understand that it can't be the Terry Rozier Ultra Player of the Week award. But I don't know who else to give it to. Nada. Is there any other viable candidate that you would say gets the hardware? I, I, I player no, uh, play, player no. <laughs> I, I, I'm at the point where I am probably gonna go and i hate to put do it this and now people are gonna yell at me but i gotta give it to jb i gotta give it to james borrego like you gotta give it to james borrego after this yeah, week. yes after this week because here's the thing 
He's whittled down the rotation. He um, he's also again he helped coach that team to a win. He's and also at this point, Lamelo Ball's out for the season. And this guy, if anyone needs a Michelob right now, it's probably JB. <laughs> like with everything he's had to deal with this season, all the injuries. Yeah. If there's anyone that needs a Michelob right now, it's that guy. So you know what? I'm going to give it to JB because, and at this point. He's, he deserves some sort of credit, and this is also me striking out at the folks that seem to think James Brago is a bad coach. And we, we'll talk about it more in the second segment, but at this point, I am uh, – again, I got to give it to JB because I can't, yeah. I can't functionally give it – continue to give it to Terry Rozier at this point. I can't. Yeah, I, I think – look – if you wanted to, you could say, hey, JB rallied the troops against the Spurs and found a way to beat the teacher. The apprentice becomes the master. Maybe if you wanted to say that, that's how you could give the ultra player of the week award to him. But I guess one, it is player of the week that Terry is going to get this award once again. And I'll say this real quickly before we move on, Nada, you know, in all seriousness, they're going to have to rely on Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier mm-hmm. that much more offensively Agreed. with LaMelo out. You're going to have to have other guys step up too. Devontae Graham and Malik Monk, I think, are the players that the spotlight is shining on the brightest with LaMelo Ball's absence. So when you discuss those guys off of the bench, sure. But it's going to be Gordon who stepped up with 27 and Terry who stepped up in the clutch once again. But in all seriousness, Terry's always going to be in the running for this. And it's funny because it's not like LeBron who would get it every single week for the Lakers as long as he's healthy. Nikola Jokic, who would get it for every single week that he's healthy with the Denver Nuggets, right? We're not talking about an all-star, an all-NBA player. We're talking about Terry Rozier, who has been consistently getting this because of his late-game performances and helping him out. But I don't expect him to be out of contention anytime soon every single time we do give this award out. yes like i i just i'm at the point like th- i guess this is the thing this isn't a, like like you said this isn't a laker situation and also at the same time like i it, there is such a thing as voter fatigue i'm tired of giving it to him i'm not gonna lie i am tired of it so <laughs> no. like well and i get that you get my point yeah. though I, i'm not i'm not mad yeah you can give it to jb i think you're stretching that big time i think this is one of the moments where nada wants to give flowers to a guy that's just been crapped on for a little bit and you're yes i have an agenda I, I have an agenda and, when I'm, you, I'm an agenda voter <laughs> my, as long as my agenda is suited it doesn't make me the best voter sometimes Probably not, but you know what? I don't care. My agenda is... You're the Ramona Shelburne of this podcast. People are going to hop all in your mentions and destroy you. You remember that when she said she votes with a narrative purpose? Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is I was against that, and then you know what happened? I started voting for... I started giving out (laughs) awards, and then it's like, yeah, the narrative is better. It's funny how that works sometimes. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. All right, let's move on to the next segment. We're going to get to a couple of your questions that you asked because it is a mailbag episode. We've moved up the ultra player of the week to Wednesday this week. I don't know what's going to happen next week. Not and I don't control that. That's from the higher ups. If you want to get mad at Doug Branson for that. Yeah, go dive bomb his his mention. Yeah, please. Please do. 
Um, but we are going to move on, answer some of the questions that you have. Also give a LaMelo Ball update. Ashley Strohline tweeted something out. She beat Shams to the punch. Shams, no credit, of course. Shams Sharina didn't give any credit. But Ashley Strohline does get all the credit for the LaMelo Ball update. We'll inform you on that in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Paramount+. Plus. March Madness has returned, and Paramount Plus has the games you won't want to miss. Watch CBS games live on Paramount+, Plus, including the Final Four and the National Championship game on April 5th. Paramount Plus is also the home to year-round sports, including the Masters, the PGA Championship, UEFA, Champions League, and Europa League. Is that Europa or is that No, Europa? that's Europa. You got it right. That's what I thought. I was hoping so. I just didn't want to get clowned afterwards, but I'm probably going to get clowned yeah, anyway. Yeah, so there are. you go. The NFL and plenty more. Plus, get breaking news, expert picks, and highlights from all of your favorite teams with CBS Sports HQ, a 24-7 sports news network. Visit ParamountPlus.com before March 31st to receive a one-month free trial of Paramount+. Plus. One month. That's a ParamountPlus.com to receive a one-month free trial of ParamountPlus.com. It's Lockdown Hornets on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Plenty more coming at you in just a moment. This is Locked On Hornets. I said, oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be. You tweeted at me, you're going to be singing the chorus to Billie Jean if you ain't careful. <laughs> and Again, I point to the lie. Yes, I. You're well. Yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being had exactly. out there. Goodness gracious, <laughs> unexpected exactly. ones. Point ones to that the lie. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. You can follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever. You get your podcast. We do have a LaMelo Ball update that came in about 24 hours ago or so, and it's Ashley Strohline, WCNC, crib, squad, teammate. She said this. Exactly. We, po- we point to the passer here. Uh, I'm told LaMelo Ball had a successful surgery this morning on his right wrist fracture at the hospital for special surgery in New York. Four weeks recovery time for the surgery, and then Ball will work on rehabbing. I'm going to read that again. <laughs> Four weeks recovery time for the surgery, and then Ball will work on rehabbing. I think a lot of people started to pay more attention to the Shams Sharania tweet that came out like two or three hours later, updating everyone basically on the same thing, and this is what he had to say. Hornets rookie LaMelo Ball underwent surgery on his fractured right wrist and will be re-evalu- reevaluated in approximately four weeks, leaving possibility for return this season, sources tell The Athletic. Now, Look, the Hornets, they came out with their own report. And mm-hmm. after Shams and Ashley Strohline tweeted this out and and they said that he'll be reevaluated after four weeks. They did not say the words possibility for a return this season. That's something that Shams put out there. You know, not the last game of the season is March 16th against the Washington Wizards. So with this four week recovery time from surgery, March, March 16th, May 16th, excuse me. Okay, I was about to say, yeah, no, it's already happened. The Hornet season is over. It's done with. I'm sure people feel like that with LaMelo Ball's injury. (laughs) Uh, No, May 16th against the Wizards. It's the last regular season game for the Hornets. That means this four week recovery time is going to take him up to about two weeks left to go in the season. And then you start to rehab like this thing's going to be immobilized for four weeks and then he's going to start rehab. And so if you're talking about LaMelo Ball coming back, 
I mean, nada. Look, I, I'm doing the classic radio thing where I'm no doctor. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. But I yeah. find it hard to believe that this is a guy that can come back after a month of recovery and then having to rehab and then coming in and playing what would be high level basketball to possibly get them into a play in tournament or just the playoffs outright. It, it just I think people got way too optimistic with this news. And maybe you wanted to be positive because there was the slight chance. OK, fine. But I still felt like there were plenty of people that were way too optimistic that he was going to return based on the news. And I think Shams left that possibility open with, with his tweet that came out um, after, after uh, Ashley Stroline put that update out there. Look, I uh, see, here's the thing. Like I were, I, and this is what I tweeted out and people started getting mad at me for no reason, but I really wish the Hornets would have just publicly closed the door on. I, and I mean, publicly like, look, He's done for the season. He's not coming back. We are going to, instead of just like, oh, he may come back and, oh, buy your tickets for the last two weeks of the season, I wish they would have just shut the door. Because I don't see the point in stringing fans along. There is no there, there's no real reason for, for the Hornets to bring him back this season. There's no, what, what, what if they need him and what if you can win a round? You're not winning a round this year. You don't have that second elite player to win a round in the playoffs this year. There is no functional reason to bring back LaMelo Ball this season. The biggest, like, and I will I will put it at this, and then I will move on to a separate, another topic, but there are more Grant Hills. There are more Patrick Ewings. There are more guys that come back hurt or rush back from an injury to play in the playoffs and end up paying for it in just in high regards. Then the, it actually then the Gary Harris's that were thrown in my mentions, like oh Gary Harris again came back and helped the Nuggets. Nuggets were already good; they didn't really need Gary Harris. And Gary Harris, they didn't need his scoring. The Hornets would need Lamelo Ball scoring and, and efficiency passing. So between that and the fact that the biggest jump any player generally makes is in between his first year and his second year and that you are going to have an NBA trainer with LaMelo Ball a team regimen that will get him ready for the next part of the season when there will actually be expectations for this team I'm much more rather I'd much rather them focus on that and then tell tell people and again I get why you can't now that I think about it because you can't have people punt on you can't tell the public you're punting on the season essentially but i really do wish they would have said no chance well and i understand that too but here's the thing i, I think shams you know he's the one putting out there there's a possibility for return this season and maybe that's true uh, but what you have from the charlotte hornets when they confirm both reports they say, quote, Ball's wrist will be immobilized and he will be reevaluated in four weeks additional updates will be provided at that time so there's nothing about a possibility. Ashley Stroline strict, uh, sticks straight to the facts as well, just saying then he begins rehabbing after after the four weeks recovery time. And so I just just doesn't seem like this is a guy that's going to come back and play this season. And even with LaMelo, if when we talk about 
whether LaMelo Ball wants to play. It, you, you can't piss off LaMelo for saying that he can't come in and play. Man, he's too valuable. Like all of these guys want to come in and play regardless of, of injury or not. That's just how it is. And you need to protect these guys from themselves at times. And when you discuss, you know, LaMelo coming back in, like I don't, I don't know what the risk of further injuring it is. But at that point, I know I don't want to play with it. I know I don't want to play with the injury at the end of the season and, and risk that further. We just had this kind of conversation in the Clippers game where he was clearly bothered. I mean, clearly he was yeah. bothered when he fell down and he caught himself and the trainer said they were OK to go. But what happened was I, you, you took a look at it. You weren't able to see what was a small fracture in that wrist until they got an MRI done. The guy was listed as probable heading into that Spurs game. And then they got the MRI done and said, oh, wait, no, <laughs> Not only is he not probable, he's likely out for the season. And I just don't want to play with that anymore. Not I'm with you, man. I, I, I'm really cautious. And I get that if the trainers say, hey, he should be good to go, then maybe you toy with it. But I don't want to. No, I, I don't. No, want no to. exactly. Um, you don't fool. Like, like you said, you don't fool with a load bearing bone in the body near the thumb. You just don't fool with that. Let's get to next season. Let's move on. Yeah, completely agree with you. All right, let's answer a couple questions. This is the mailbag episode, so let's get to it. Maybe we answer a couple here and then try to move on to the next segment. Let's start with Mason Biggers asking this question. Nada, as you stated, I'm guessing this is you, as you stated mm -hmm. that you feel this would be a better second half team, where did you... Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> where, well, and not, not necessarily your fault with LaMelo's injury. Uh, he asked, where do you see the team ceiling record-wise by season's end? And this changes, I think, um, with the LaMelo Ball injury, of course, because Mason Biggers does put this twi uh, tweet in before the injury. So it's going to be changed, Nada. But still, uh, I guess we can still answer this with the news that, that we got from the third overall pick. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's I feel like 30 is the cap. Granted, I think 30 wins, 30 and 42, probably, I don't want to say it probably gets you in, but I can see us. I can see a scenario where they win 30 games and they're in the plan. That's 10 more wins. I do believe even, and granted, this is like health considered. The ceiling is probably 30, 31, 32, um, and, and go from there. Uh, like, I, I just... I don't know. What do you think, Walker? So doing a quick count in my head with all of the games that they have left on their schedule, right? They've got about 40% left uh, of the season. And right now they're 21 and 21. I counted about 11 games that they're going to be favored in. You know, that remember mm -hmm. what, what's weird about the second half of this schedule is you start on this West Coast road trip where you, you mm -hmm. just ended the first half of the season or at least pre-All-Star break, and then you play – a few games against Detroit, Toronto, Sacramento, boom, you're out on the West Coast again. You're going to play a couple of games at home, March 26th and the 28th uh, against Miami and Phoenix, and then you're out uh, on the road again. It, um, a lot more Eastern Conference teams, but you've got a six-game road trip right after this. Tons, tons of road games to lead off the post-All-Star break uh, portion of the schedule. But then it eases up at the end of the season. So you've got teams like Chicago, Orlando. You end with uh, road games against New York and Washington. But majority of the second half of the second half, if you will, is going to be at home. I if give me I'm going to say that the Hornets, even without LaMelo Ball, 
give me like 32, 33, 34 wins for this team. Like that's kind of what I'm looking at for the Charlotte Hornet squad. And if you look at the standings right now, where everybody resides in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics are the eight spot. They're one game below 500. Like, I think it's probably play in territory, Nada. I mean, yep. I, the, the, the only gap that you can really see right now is a two and a half game gap between Indiana in the 10 seed and Toronto in the 11 seed. Toronto, they've lost a million games in a row. They're 13 and a half games back. Indiana's 11 games back. That's the only real gap that you can see. Um, but the Hornets are two games above the Pacers. I, I think you're probably looking at, let, let's say, ceiling. Nada, if we want a ceiling, like 35 35 35 that sounds like a roundabout number we can go with like 35 again and more importantly 35 and 37 on this season would be a legitimate just i would i would throw a parade for that (laughs) i'm not even lying to you and it takes a lot for you to throw a parade yeah it it does Uh, like i would i would go throw a parade for 35 and 37 because that would mean you would win 50 essentially 15 games without Lamelo ball that's a lot of games to win without him. Yeah. And uh, whew, well, and, and again, you got to, I mean, with the conference standings, I, I didn't check to see how many games they are playing against Toronto. I'm already out of it, but uh, you know, Toronto things are not well right now, uh, right now with them. Pascal Siakam apparently went scorched earth against Nick nurse enough to get, what was it? A $50,000 fine with the comments hurled yeah, towards exactly. his coach. Kyle Lowry very well could be traded by the trade deadline. He could be going to a contender where it doesn't really matter for the Hornets. Like the Hornets aren't catching the 76ers. They're not going to be catching the Bucks or any of the top three teams in the East. So yeah, that could also help the Hornets get in. Who knows? We'll see exactly how it all unfolds as we uh, uh, head towards the end of the season. All right, it's time for Built Bar Madness. We've been giving you all of the Built Bar matchups. We gave you chocolate brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake, except it was coconut brownie chunk. I've not fixed the the typo coconut brownie chunk it's over okay that thing's winning at all but we will humor you with another matchup at least because we need to get your opinion on cookies and cream versus Mm. coconut almond man i mean the coconuts they are about nada so uh, cookies and cream versus coconut almond who do you got in this matchup i just had the cookies and cream before because again i did a little show prep tried out the cookies and cream yeah um Coconut almonds winning this, man. I I don't want to be a coconut snob and be like, oh, the coconuts are just that much better. But, yeah, they are. Yeah. You know what it is? It's the Terry Rozier, Michelob Ultra type thing. It's the same thing. I'm going to go cookies and cream here because I'm not a big almond guy, and there needs to be some kind of disadvantage to one of these blue wrapper bars right now. So give me a cookies and cream because I like cookies and cream. I don't like almonds or anything like that. I think that's going to be the fall of finally one of these coconut bars. But in reality, they're all extremely good. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, and they've been for a while now. It's amazing. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. If you're on the keto diet, it's great for that, too. And you can go to BuiltBar.com or to their Twitter handle, at bar underscore built. Remember to use that promo code, too. Locked15 to get 15% off your next order. That is Locked15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. We will update everyone on all the matchups that we've had this week. Um, Tomorrow, Friday, we'll make sure you guys find out who won each of these matchups. One more segment to go. We got some fun questions to get to. We got a couple more Hornets-centric questions to get to in the last segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. 
This is Locked on Hornets. I kicked the outlet past Doug and I let him run with it because you know what? He's going to do something that's going to be funnier than what I can do right now. I recognize <laughs> <Okay>. my limitations <laughs> and I'm going from there. Wow. That's a lot of that pressure. That was a lot of self-reflection within that teeing it up oh, for Doug. Man. <laughs> God. <laughs> Got a little dark. There Don't, yeah, it really did. Uh, we did. We mentioned um, self lo- self loathing yesterday, <laughs> and now we mentioned this. Not are you okay, buddy? We're gonna we're gonna talk through it. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness. Four days a week from credentialed draft experts. You can subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Also, make sure you visit BetOnline AG. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, it might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're all still in full swing. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code Locked on. All right, let's, uh, let's get to some more questions here. Nada. The next one is, I think this is by uh, Rajon15. Am I saying that right? Because these yeah, I think it is. just throwing yeah. me for a loop, and I apologize. Yes, um, Rajon15, he writes in, if the Hornets become a really good team, uh, a really good, like a team that can make the second round consistently, do you think Borrego is still coach and sees it through, or is it a different one like the Brett Brown and Philly situation? We've talked about this a couple of different times. I like this yes. question. It's a fun topic. Not it to me. I think James Borrego is that guy that can survive the transition of rebuild to team with higher expectations. I yes. think the reason he can do that is because the biggest strength of him, I think so far, has been the ability to relate to his players and get the respect of them. I think he's a very good communicator. I think he's a player's coach. I think these guys really get along with Borrego where maybe you have some problems with his X's and O's. Maybe you have a problem with him schematically. Maybe you have a problem with his rotation because he's crazy, right? And I get all of that. But I do think that an extremely important part of managing an NBA team is your ability to adapt to each player's personality. And Mm -hmm. perhaps some of that was because of the veterans that you have with just generally good attitudes anyway. Like we've always liked the veterans on this team, even with Nick Batum, him being public enemy number one to Charlotte Hornets fans. I mean, he was fine personality and attitude wise with James Borrego. We love biz. Marvin is one of the best ambassadors of the game before he left for the Bucks and eventually retired. So that certainly helped James Borrego, but it doesn't matter. The young guys, even a Malik Monk situation where clearly he was frustrated at Borrego and Malik Monk seem to have a good relationship. He's got one with every one of his players. And I think that matters. Mm-hmm. I think once these players start to step up, they start to get a bigger ego because that's just the name of the game. You get better. You start to feel yourself a little bit. You can pound your chest and you think you've got it all figured out. Well, you're still going to respect the head coach that has given you that respect for a long time now. Like this isn't Tom Thibodeau. Okay. This is not a guy that wears on you as time goes on. I think he is one of the coaches that can make that transition. I'm not worried about him because the the thing is, and this is something I brought up on Twitter uh, a couple days ago, or it's like, 
he's hit the Vegas. He's either either made even or hit, probably going to hit the over on every single year that he's coached this team. First year is coaching coaching this team. He had thirty five again. Over, Vegas over under for the Charlotte Hornets was thirty five. They got to thirty nine. He was at the Vegas over under last year before the season stopped. He's again the season. The number I believe is twenty five point five for this year. They're clearly going to clear that. Like, at what point do we just stop? Like, and I guess this is my thing. My issue with this team will never won't be the coach for a little bit. I can't say it will never be, but when I start thinking about structural weaknesses to this franchise and how they can build it, the coach is not one of those things that I worry about. So I'm kind of with you where at this point, I'm not going to say this guy is going to be Brett Brown because he's done things a little bit different differently from Brett Brown. And by the way, held guys accountable in a way that Brett Brown never did to, to the point where they needed to bring in Doc Rivers to fix out fix all the discipline stuff. And Doc ain't the best dif, uh, discipline guy either. There yeah. is no con- there's no connection to Brett Brown and James Borrego outside of the guys they coached under. Uh, they, they coached under. That's I mean, it. The, 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 I will say this. Brett Brown would get pretty crazy with his rotations, too. That is something that's in, like he would try a whole bunch of mad scientist stuff as well. And they were really questionable, not giving the ball to Joel Embiid in the playoffs this past season. That was I think that was enough to say, OK, man, I mean, that I don't know what you were doing going away from clearly your best player in an offensive situation. And then eventually they got killed. It was the Celtics, I believe, that they just got destroyed against in the mm-hmm. first round this past postseason outing. But also this is someone that was within the Kawhi Leonard shot of moving on past the eventual NBA champions uh, a year prior to that. I, I think also what's harder to compare these guys to. I would say that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are two players that probably don't have the same attitudes that are players on this roster. Not us. So yeah. I can understand how that'd be a little bit more difficult, but I agree. I think even with Borrego, me questioning some of the rotations and, and some of the players that he decides to go with at times, I think eventually I'm pleased with it. Like, I think we've seen that bear out the last couple of seasons and I, I still think there's probably too much biz even with Cody Zeller being out, I understand you got to go to him. Um, but overall, I like James Borrego, man. I really do. And I think the personality uh, adaptation that he's got under his belt, I think that's really going to help him out. Two more questions, maybe a little bit of a rapid fire real quickly. Um, Wes Hefner also writes in something we don't have to touch on too much, but I think most people are interested in. Who will more likely have the future with the Charlotte Hornets? Is it Nick Richards or is it Vernon Carey Jr.? Now, did you have an answer for this one? Do you want to see more? Like, what do you think about what these guys have done in the G League and overall how they've been handled this season? Um, I For right now, it's Nick Richards because he can play defense. Like, I would I would probably say Nick Richards, but I would also, like, have this caveat to this. If people can give, get buckets, and if Vernon Carey figures a way to get buckets at least two different levels, that, that kid's a steal at 32. So, I, again, early early um, early prognostication. I'd probably go Nick Richards, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I think I would go Vernon Carey. I mean, I you know Nick Richards. I guess the defensive upside with the kind of body he possesses compared to Carey makes a little bit more sense. But also offensively, Vernon Carey really has a lot of ability. 
and him working together with the Lamelo might might be interesting. It wouldn't be the crazy lob threat, but just the more skilled offensive player it might be Vernon Carey. And we see him do well offensively in the G League. But yeah, like we're we're not going to see these guys get in the rotation because the Hornets they're in a different situation than they were last year. Last year you're really just solely focusing on developing the young players on the roster where Jalen McDaniels is the first guy off of the bench. The Martin twins are getting plenty of run. And now you're really trying to make a run at this postseason. You've got $30 million man, Gordon Hayward. You've got LaMelo ball mm-hmm. who is vastly exceeded expectations. And even then a lot of people consider him the best player coming out of the NBA draft. So uh, we're not going to see him for a while. And I don't know what's going to happen. Interested by the way, too, to see if Grant Riller is someone that gets some run as the season goes on. All right, let's get to the last fun question. This one comes in from the Grindhawk, right? <laughs> He always has some really off-the-wall questions, and I wish we had more of them. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, come up with some more off-the-wall questions. We have fun with these. This is a good question. I believe it is from the Grind Hawk. It's a good Twitter handle. He asked this, if you had to make two of the following five movies never exist, it's a weird group that he's got, but it's what makes it so great. Okay, so two of the five movies never exist. Which two are gone forever? All right, now to hear they go. The Big Lebowski, White Men Can't Jump, The Matrix, Fargo, and Step Brothers. Two of those five movies are gone forever. Which one are which ones are you choosing? Fargo is one. And did the Cohen brothers do the Big Lebowski? I think they did the I think they I did. I have no correctly. clue. So for me, I've only seen The Big Lebowski like one time intermittently. Yeah. And I know people love it, but it, I don't have a ton it's of It's a two America's movies, though. I, it's I know. absolutely a two America's movie. People, is it because, well, I'm not surprised about that. People love it. Uh, White Men Can't Jump is staying. I mean, that's just, it's not going yeah, anywhere. No, 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 no. That's existing. Anywhere. I've watched Step Brothers too many times. It's a comfortable movie. It's hilarious. I'm keeping Step Brothers as well. I'm keeping the Matrix. I'm going Fargo and Big Lebowski. Those are the two. Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. Same, same, same. Uh, those are the two movies that don't exist. And I like Fargo. Fargo's great. Um, but when it comes to a comedy that you can just have on in the background, not pay attention to, but you never get tired of, Step Bre- Step Brothers checks off that box. White Men Can't Jump is someone in that same category, but also it's it's just It's fantastic. got life lessons. It's it, got it, life lessons. It does, yes. White Men Can't Jump is certainly in there. Um, and The Matrix, I mean, aren't there freaking courses done on The Matrix? And yes, what, there are. And, and yeah, and, and what is truly reality? Big Lebowski, I'm sorry you're out. And Fargo, I'm sorry you are out as well. Glad we can answer the tough questions here on the Locked On uh, Hornets podcast. And that wraps up this edition. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Ooh.